Welcome everyone to this webinar on the topic of uh, cross-sectoral collaboration on net zero. My name is Emma Piercy and I lead on energy and climate change policy here at the Food and Drink Federation. And today I'm really pleased to introduce a colleague in industry with whom FDF has been increasingly working with over the last year. And this is Ed Edward Lockout, convener of the Broadway Initiative. Uh, before we get on to Broadway, I'd just like to introduce Ed, who before Broadway advised DEFRA and many other governments on environmental policy development and analysis for 15 years. Before that, he worked in corporate finance for the European Commission and for the Centre for Science and Environment in New Delhi. He also founded and chaired a UK charity, Educating Street Children in Afghanistan, which I will also be asking him about in our podcast today. Hello, Ed, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Emma, and um, thank you very much for having me. I have to admit, this is my first ever podcast, um, and uh, up until now, I've, uh, I've managed to duck them. But uh, when you when you invited me, I thought it was too good an invitation to sort of pass up. So thanks, thanks very much for having me. Well, that's very kind, and, and thank you very much for joining us, Ed, because actually we've been doing so much great work over the last few months, and you know, this is so important. So just thank you for taking the time to, to join us today. And, and actually, uh, well, as, as a place to start, um, but you know, perhaps you could introduce the Broadway Initiative and how this came into being and what it seeks to provide the industry, sectors, etc. Brilliant. So Broadway is a coalition of business organisations, including the, the, the sort of pan-business pan organisations like the Federation of Small Businesses, British Chambers of Commerce and, and CBI, but also the important sectoral organisations, whether it's British Retail Consortium, Water UK, Mate UK, Tech UK, Home Builders Federation, of course, FDF and a, and a long list of, of others. And, and we work with professional organisations such as, as IEMA, the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment, and environmental groups as well. Our key question is how can we make doing good for the environment really work for all businesses? We're right across environment, sustainability, net zero. So not just the pioneers. And how do we turn it into an opportunity for business, not just a, a problem perhaps for compliance uh, teams? We look in two directions. We work with, with government to help set the right policies and, with, and work very closely with business groups to find the right business-led solution, particularly by, uh, by, by working with the business groups. So we think organisations like Food and Drink Federation occupy a really powerful position to lead their sectors right across their sectors so so that's really that's really what we do in a in a nutshell so so mm. I actually very much came together um, around brexit so we felt that uh, with brexit that left a big gap uh, with leaving the, the the EU so many policies as, as we all know came from the EU and this felt like a real opportunity to work with important organizations, uh, to help think how do we how do we have the right policies and the right plans outside the EU uh, and our first major focus was was working on the the, the 25-year environment plan and environment bill with 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 Michael Gove but uh, increasingly we, we've branched out to work on on net zero because that that's a real priority for for businesses in 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 2021. I mean that is such a huge remit, and I know my colleagues, you know, have, have worked uh, with with Broadway on, on the environmental bill, for example. Uh, but our, our engagement has been, um, I suppose, mostly uh, around the net zero piece and. And actually, with with the UK hosting COP twenty six this year, you know, the, I think Broadway's uh, role in this is just it, it's so critical. I think in helping us drive this forward and building that momentum with the sectors. 
Um, I think it'd be really good to actually explore that a bit more. Bearing all that in mind, what do you see as the the main objectives or sort of perhaps deliverables for 2021? We're increasingly focused around net zero in 2021, particularly with with COP26 in mind. And I think there are three three main areas we're focusing on. So one is one is sector plans and sector roadmaps. So rather than each company uh, looking at uh, and, and trying to grapple what net zero means and what they what they have to do individually, it seems really powerful to look at sectoral level and find those economies of scale. So what is what is the pathway uh, for for companies within a sector to get to net zero, particularly in terms of the big investments that companies make. Uh, but also as a way of working collectively with government to overcome some of the barriers and pursue opportunities, and then things like working with supply chains. So how does the the food manufacturing sector work collaboratively with retailers, with with farmers? And that's much easier to do. Some of that's much easier to do at a sectoral level than individual companies. Mm-hmm. We're also focusing on 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 smaller business. So. Six million of our of our businesses, something like 98, 99% of businesses are small and they have less capacity to, to front up to some of these challenges. And there's a real need for simple advice and support. What are the practical actions mm. small businesses need to take to, to, to get to net zero? And at the moment, we found there's no simple joined up place that businesses can turn to. If you go and Google, there are hundreds of things that come up and it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a sort of forest out there. So what we're doing is working across business organisations with the professional bodies, with Bayes, to provide a central joined up service. And then the third thing is around nature-based solutions. So how can we... How can we um, remove carbon uh, through good land management? And so we're working with the Green Finance Institute and government on this question of blended finance. How can we join up public and private money to improve the natural environment at the same time providing the food that we all need? Well, I I think it would be really good to perhaps have a a look at each of these um, in turn in a little bit more detail. I think, yeah, perhaps that's a good place to start. Of course, actually, with us at Food and Drink Federation, it almost seems to me that uh, we're quite a good example of what you've just illustrated with with the range of uh, stakeholders that we have. You know, in food manufacturing, there is a huge amount of SMEs and and dispersed across the country. Um, but equally, you know, we have large multinationals as well, and there's there's a huge variation. And how we, how we engage and and bring everyone along on this journey um, and equipping them with the tools that they need um, is it, a huge challenge. Um, I think I, I feel pleased to be able to say that you know, we've we've made some good um, sort of groundwork um, on, on this topic with our net zero narrative project. That was something that we completed over uh, November and December, or October, November, December. And we are soon to be launching our 2021 work programme, which reflects on the recommendations uh, from that narrative project. So some of the feedback we received was around, well, actually, what does net zero mean? There are a lot of definitions out there. Uh, and there was also showed in the results that th- there's a lot of uh, uh, education, I think, that needs to be done in, in, in certain uh, parts of the, the, the sector in terms of upskilling and bringing up to speed about, about the new technologies, whether it's through, you know, electrification, for example, and what's the different electrification technologies, but but also, you know, hydrogen. I mean, that, that's just one aspect. But of course, you know, you, you touched upon the other much more wider areas there around the supply chain, which, of course, is 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 a much 
was a much, much bigger area. And, you know, roughly, should we say, about 80% of the emissions that a food a food manufacturer will, will have. So, you know, where to start uh, is, of course, yeah, that, that, that big question. And, and I think, you know, with the, the time that we've had at Broadway, you know, I think a number of sectors have already yeah, published uh, their roadmaps. Which are the key ones in the sense that comes to mind? I say key ones, they're all key, but um, in, in terms of food manufacturing, for example, what, what what do you think of the developments that we've seen with the NFU and BRC, for example? So I think there's a lot There's a lot that's related to, to what you're, the exciting work you're beginning to do uh, that's happening more broadly. So British Retail Consortium, for example, has recently published its plan um, and amongst other things, it commits to getting to net zero by, by 20, 2040. But that includes the products that they sell in shops. Um, so that, I think, has huge implications for, um, you know, food manufacturing further and farming further, further, further up supply chain. So uh, the British Retail Consortium, the NFU, obviously, has committed to being net zero by 2040. In the pipeline is, is UK hospitality, bringing some of the sort of major, major food outlets together. So I think all of that fits together. And the same challenges that you were talking about in the food manufacturing sector are common challenges across other sectors. So I think we can learn in terms of approach across sectors and the, the, the ways that they're solving some of these, these, these problems as well. More widely, and, and a lot of these are then still linked to, to, to Food Water UK, um, a, 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 a planned commitment and roadmap to get to net zero by, by 2030. Obviously, that's, you know, water incredibly important to, to food. Uh, waste, um, ESA, Environmental Services Association, bring, pulling together their plan. And then, and then more widely, uh, the new home sector with the Home Builders Federation are uh, very nearly out with, with their plan for how that sector gets to net zero and, and meets other environmental goals. There's wider work in the built environment with the UK Green Building Council looking at uh, how the wider the wider built environment gets to net zero. So there's a lot of exciting work happening mm. that's beginning to sort of plot this out, make it real, uh, work out how you know what, what how this affects investment cycles and gives gives people almost the someone was talking to me earlier today about the staircase. You know what 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 are the steps that are needed? When do people need to be to work? Yes. So you can operationalize this into into how you're running your business rather than suddenly be tripped up. Um, as you know, as as uh, unexpected things happen along the way, so uh, I think it's very important and really, really pleased um, that uh, uh, FDS is beginning to grapple this. You know, I, I'm I'm really pleased as well that we've got to this point where you know we are now sort of fleshing out, uh, in a sense, what needs to be in this roadmap. And I and I can say, thankfully, yeah, that that uh, we are working with consultants now to develop a, a detailed specification on on what um, uh, approach we should take, you know, what should be covered within the roadmap. And hopefully um, in our uh, launch of our 2020 work programme in March, we'll be able to, to, to say a lot more. But I think just touching upon a couple of points you made there around uh, operational changes and, uh, on, and what is needed and, you know, what companies need to do. This is definitely something that we'd like to, to see addressed um, in the roadmap in the form of like a handbook. So we almost um, see sort of two elements uh, to the roadmap, one being in a sense like an overall strategy piece, uh, but the second, in fact, in fact, perhaps a much bigger uh, deliverable will be for business, for our members, you know, for for other companies in the sector about what, how to put this into practice, how to operationalise it, because that is something that, you know, that we're definitely seeing that call for. 
Um, and I think actually in terms of, I suppose, engagement with the, with, with the sector, we, we touched upon um, SMEs um, already uh, and the need to um, sort of bring them into this process. And of course, we've seen with Bayes that they've recently, in fact, just before Christmas, you know, started on this programme on SME engagement um, on net zero. This next month in February, we've got our, our first SME forum at FDF. And we've seen some really good at attendance with that. And uh, and more widely, actually, um, we've had very high attendance at some um, recent webinars that we've done with professional affiliates around net zero and tackling scope one and two emissions. So this is all really positive when we need to consider that that need for high engagement. Um, but I was just, as I was touching upon this and, and indeed um, Bayes' objectives around engaging SMEs, could you perhaps talk a little bit about the work Broadway is doing on, on engaging SMEs in net zero and it, the, this um, discovery project that actually we've been working with you on as well? So our longer term plan is to bring all of the business organisations and uh, and, and the other key players to have a, a single joined up service uh, so that so that we don't have uh, you know you go online and you sort of just you know you, you can't navigate your way through so so that's that's our longer term plan but what we found is that actually we need we need to start with a really good understanding of what the issues are whose who's, who's small businesses you know what the range of small businesses is out there and what they what they really need. What are the practical actions in different sectors? Why are they looking for advice? Is it is it sort of supply chain requirements that they need to fulfil? Is it about cost saving? Is it about uh, appealing to their customers? Is it sectoral obligations? So 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 why are people looking for advice? And how do we structure and join up advice in the in the right way? And and uh, we've been doing this summer, this discovery work. Uh, done a survey interviews and we're pulling together that picture and now developing the plan not just for 2021 but how that service develops in the in the longer term the really exciting sort of development is is the new net zero business champion andrew griffiths who's, who i think is developing huge momentum around this with his campaign to during 2021 to get that sort of groundswell of businesses beginning to take actions that uh, that are on that journey, practical actions that people can take immediately that start saving saving money. So what we're doing is with uh, with Andrew is working with him to look at how we can dovetail and you know the the, the, the advice and the service that we're providing with with his campaign. So so I think there's a there's a there's a, a real opportunity for all of that to to come together and create momentum during 2021 of people uh, beginning to sort of commit and to, 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 to get into net zero and then we can support them on that journey over the over the longer term. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And I remember listening to, to Andrew uh, recently and he's so full of enthusiasm and, and uh, you know, really wanting to, to, to lead developments in this. I think, you know, that will really help in, in, in building more momentum with all the sort of different business groups that, 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 he, that he's working with. And, and um, certainly when I talked with him recently, he was, he was a big fan of the food and drink industry. So I, I think we definitely need to capitalise. And I think the other point that you raised in, a, in our introduction was uh, around the coalition with, with D GFI and DEFRA that you're working on with regards to um, nature-based um, solutions. So um, I was just wondering then, with, of course, the... Uh, the net zero banner being being very broad and you know that we do find of course that there are a lot of interrelated um areas with this um that of course you know have environmental benefits and, and carbon reduction benefits at, at their core could, could you 
so say a bit more uh, about this coalition, coalition uh, with GFI and DEFRA that you, that you mentioned. Ab absolutely, and this is, this is an area actually that the Treasury pretty much sort of asked us asked us to have a have a look at because it's a key question that's on everyone's minds at the moment is 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 how land management funding works for the longer term and how we can at the same time. Uh, make land productive for food as well as as well as for for for, for nature. And what we're finding is that is that lots of people uh, and lots of groups are beginning to look at how you do this in practice on the ground and how you join up different bits of funding. Because obviously you've got you've got land which is effectively one joined up thing, um, and then you've got lots of different funding streams. And the question is how do you how do you bring funding together? To really start in 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 investing in the land to um, to improve the natural environment while 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 growing the food we need, and there are great examples of whether it's Nestle and the the, the Lens project, many others in the in the food sector, uh, RSPB, uh, the Wildlife Trust, Rivers Trust, Woodlands Trust, National Trust, um, and there are platforms like like Entrade, the Environment Bank, and what we're finding is that everyone's bumping and trying to get projects off the ground. Everyone's time and time again are bumping into the same problems, particular barriers, gaps in terms of funding mechanisms, a lack of joined up standards, mm. uh, how do you get standards where you're reflecting the multiple benefits of, of land management, how do you join up different funding streams, whether it's elms, flood money, water, uh, where does biodiversity gain fit in? And then practical things like, um, like uh, inheritance tax uh, barriers, as I understand it, if you Farm, farmland as, as, as for agricultural purposes, uh, that's outside inheritance tax. If you start managing land for, for, for nature, then the, the, the tax treatment is different. So there's a, there's a whole set of sort of barriers or, or uh, things that need to be in place to get these projects to work. And it's, it's, it's almost, as you're saying, for the, uh, on the Food Net Series side, you sort of almost want the manual that brings all that together. How do you, how do you run a, a nature-based project and how do you work with mm. government to overcome all of those barriers? And and uh, so that's that's effectively what we're doing through this project by working with Green Finance Institute and and Defra is bringing everyone together around that common set of challenges and how do we work together to overcome the barriers, put in place the the steps that are needed, and provide people with the the support and guidance they need to to to, to be able to take these projects forward at scale. The thought that comes to my mind is that you know, this is just such a huge area. Uh, there is so much going on. And I think, actually, to be fair, a lot of this is new to me as well with what we've just been discussing. And it just shows that you know, what a challenge it is for business, I think, to be able to engage and make it um, e easy or easier for them to engage because there's so much to, to, to get your head around and grapple with. And that's, of course, on, on, on top of the day job, so to speak. So as you say, you know, being able to uh, f facilitate that for for uh, for companies uh, is going to be key to its success. And, you know, and that's it's just great, you know, that you're, that you're in this position of, 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 of bringing this together. What do you see as perhaps the next timelines? You know, with 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 this project that 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 you're that you're talking about. So we're looking at initially a a, a six month project um, to bring a report together of, of of exactly detailed actionable recommendations of of what's needed to get these projects working at scale and uh, and 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 to, and to work out how to how to get. Uh, capital to flow uh, into in, into into this kind of kind of work. So, uh, moment we're looking sort of towards the end of end of June to to have that. And, and what we think, as well as sort of working through those uh, those those sort of practical problems and how we how we solve them, 
another point is is creating political momentum for change and realizing that this is a this is a win-win for everyone and actually existential for many working on the on the land to work out how to get uh, that kind of investment into into land management so i think it's really important to bring together fdf nfu the environmental groups others around this and to say actually this is a common challenge here are the answers let's let's uh, create the political momentum uh, for the change that's 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 needed here alongside the great things that uh, that are already in in place uh, the new land management scheme net biodiversity gain all the pieces are there it's how we collectively work to join them up and uh, and yes. to make sure that but also that we have a good story going it's not just about the sort of the the um uh, but 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 you know have, if if we're going to take global leadership in cop 26 i think we need a really good domestic story for how we're how we're getting this to work domestically yes. so i think that's particularly why we one of the reasons we wanted to make momentum, you know, during during this year. Absolutely. And you know, you touched upon there about the, the range of stakeholders needing to work together on this. Um, what sort of um, role do you think perhaps the Environment Agency and, and Natural England w- w- would play in this? So I think they 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 need to be around the table. Uh, they're already keen to get involved in in this work over the next uh, six months, and I think they can be facilitators of these kind of projects. But it involves a slightly different approach. It involves sometimes flexibility in the way that uh, in the way that they apply the the regulations, where they can identify actually uh, this this kind of approach is is much better for nature. How can they how can they have the flexibility uh, rather than at the moment they are they are getting there, but they're having to do it project by project, and that takes a lot of time to work out you know what exactly are the the, the uh, the way that they need to apply the rules to make this great work happen. So it's it's how can we develop protocols that uh, Environment Agency and Natural England can use across the country, so that uh, you know whenever any of your companies or or um, working with with environmental groups want to do this type of investment, Environment Agency and Natural England are there helping them and and facilitating. Mm-hmm. Because that consistency of point and of approach and people then know what they're working with. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, look, um, before we come to a close, I just wanted to, to, to thank you um, for, for all of, for all of uh, what you've covered today. It's been really helpful. Uh, and I did promise our, our listeners uh, that um, I, I actually wanted to ask you, because uh, so it kind of changed the subject, about um, the charity in Afghanistan uh, that, that you mentioned. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm just really intrigued to, to find out more about this and the, the charity you founded and, and chaired on educating street children. This is very different, and uh, I didn't know this before. So I'd love to hear some more. Um, how did this all come about? So I, my, my, my sister was working with a chap actually in the World Bank in, in Washington called Ashraf Ghani. And, and after September the 11th and the war in Afghanistan, he was, he was mm. sent across to to Afghanistan to help set up the new government and he took my sister with him and so she was working in Afghanistan and I went to visit her on her birthday in 2022 and uh, sorry 2002 and she um, because she was working sort of 20 20 hour days she sent me off to to go and look at this um, this street children these street uh, centres for street children and I was just completely blown away by by, by what they were doing Uh, there was such a sort of positive harm of, of activity uh, where the uh, the children felt so privileged to be able to come to these centres. And just to give you a bit of context, there are 50 to 70,000, or certainly those were the numbers then, of street working children in Afghanistan. 
a lot of them, a lot of them orphans, not all of them orphans, but uh, but basically they were not able to go to school because they had to earn a living uh, for their family or extended family. And what that means is that they're incredibly vulnerable uh, to, for example, being recruited for terrorism or sold for body parts mm. or slavery, all, all of these kind of um, problems. And what the, these centres were doing um, was for about 6,000 of them, was giving them an education, uh, giving, teaching them to read and write, giving them basic skills, whether sort of whether it's embroidery, carpentry, computers, that kind of thing, giving them a place to play, um, and and also looking after them in terms of sort of health and health and, and mental health. And what they were doing is coming to the centres for half the day, so they could still you know work on the street, which they had to to provide income for their families. But I was totally sort of, I just thought this was such an amazing thing that, uh, you know, I had to do whatever small thing I could do to help. So came back to the UK and started trying to raise a little bit of, of, of money to send across because money sort of goes so far there. So sort of thinking perhaps if we could raise a thousand pounds or something and send it across, that would make a big difference. But it was a time in 2002, 2003, where actually people really wanted to support Afghanistan, given the sort of plight of the people there. So we actually very quickly started raising more, more, more money than we could, uh, than, uh, you know, we, we effectively needed to become a, a charity. So we set up this charity called Friends of Ashiana. So the, the centres in, in Afghanistan are called Ashiana, which in Dari, the local language, means nest. Uh, and, and we became Friends of Ashiana UK. Uh, and it's still very small. It it raises a few thousand pounds a year, um, but 17 years later, it still it still goes, and 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 I think we make a bit of a difference there. So, that's amazing. I mean, just just some, one sort of follow up question in terms of in terms of your fundraising activities. How how how, how could people get involved, and um, what, what would you, if anyone that's interested, what what would you suggest? Well, we do have a we have a website um, which is friendsofashiana.org.uk so you can see you can see uh, uh, what 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 we do and how you can get involved there so if you if you are interested do do go there and and uh, and, and and leave your name and and how you'd like to get involved but it's very much a, a sort of homespun thing we uh, we don't have any overhead 100 percent of, of, of funding sort of goes goes out there but it's uh, it's very much sort of grassroots and, and and you know people who want to but we've had over the years amazing you know someone uh, gave a, a, a legacy, loads of sort of little events organised. So it's created sort of a bit of a, a, a community to support Afghanistan in the UK. And, and there's a there's a there's a there's a, 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 a vibrant Afghan community as well who are you know keen to help. So um, yeah, yeah, if you're interested, do, do go there. Well, lovely. That, look, thanks very much, Ed. And um, again, again, actually, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a really interesting discussion. And, and I think we can all say that 2021 is certainly going to be a full and fascinating year. Uh, and, you know, the, the work that, um, you know, that you've been driving in the Broadway Initiative is going to be really impactful. And and I very much look forward to, to us at FDF continuing, um, you know, our engagement with you on this. Uh, and of course, actually, in, in my personal areas of focus around net zero, engaging with SMEs and developing the roadmap for the sector. So plenty definitely to keep me busy. 
Um, for, for our listeners, um, um, as I mentioned earlier uh, in in our podcast, we'll be having a launch of our 2021 work program in March. Um, so a date uh, to be confirmed. Um, so please uh, do keep uh, an eye on our website. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. And thanks again, Ed. And um, have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks very much, Emma. Join us for the FDF Awards online February 3rd, 2021. Visit our website, fdf.org.uk for full details. Thank you.